Oh, I could have just said, our speaker this morning needs no introduction. That's right. That's right. I don't need a mic. You're good. Uh, last night, uh, yeah, he just uh, expected me to come up here and uh, didn't say anything. Like, there was like this awkward silence. And I told the congregation last night what the interesting part of it is Pastor Fred was my speech class professor in college who taught me how to introduce public speakers. And I asked him what grade he would have gave me if I did what he did. And uh, then he says, well, you, you're always supposed to do what I say, not do as I do. So that's Pastor Fred for you, so uh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How's everybody doing this morning? As Pastor Fred said, Pastor Daryl is feeling very ill, and he texted me about 30 minutes ago, asked me to preach, so uh, we'll see what we can do today. Uh, no, it's all good. I always feel honored to, uh, to preach any time I, I get a chance, and, um, and so... Uh, I hope your hearts are open. I hope your minds are ready. Um, get those, those bulletins in the back of your bulletin. You can take notes. I've got a lot to say, as I always do, right? I grew up in church, and I, I, uh, I listened to a lot of long-winded preachers, and I said, one day, I'm going to show them up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if, if I had to sit here long enough and listen to them, the people are going to listen to me, too. So um, it's okay. Um, I love traveling. Um, I love whether it's flying or even road trips. But if you've ever taken a road trip, especially with children or young children, um, you know the drill. Five minutes into the trip, whether they need a bathroom break, or there's this one famous question they ask. What is it? Are we there yet? Right? And then five minutes later, and, five, and the 16 hours later, you're just like, really? Um, the title of my message this morning is, Are We There Yet? Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. I will get there closer to the end, but that will be my text. I want to start off with a story about a woman named Florence Chadwick, who was an accomplished swimmer, who had already swam the English Channel and was attempting to swim from Catalina Island in the Pacific Ocean back to the mainland in California, which is about 26 miles or so. It was a real cold and foggy day, and more than once she begged to be taken out of the water and into the boat. But her mom was in the boat, and she kept encouraging her, saying, Come on, you could do this. Keep going. You're getting closer. But finally, she was just too emotionally and physically exhausted. And she stopped swimming and was pulled out of the water and put into the boat. When she sat up in the boat she realized that she was only a half a mile away from the shore. At a news conference the next day, she said, when I was in the water, all I can see was the fog. If I could have just seen the shore, I could have made it. Well, today I want to help all of us see the shore because I think that if we see the shore, we can make it. Now, the good news of that story is two months later, Florence went back and swam and made it to that shore. And she said in the news conference after that, she says, I had a vision, I had the image of the shore in my mind. Even though there was still fog that day that I swam, I saw it in my mind's eye and she made it. We've been in this series called The End is Near. And Pastor Darrell kicked it off a few weeks ago and talked about eternity. Um, he talked about preparing for the end, the tribulation the rapture and judgment day. And if you've missed any of the weeks or you want to review, I would encourage you to watch all of our services online. 
Um, just to, to get, I think it's been a great ser uh, series. I hope you've not just learned, but you've prepared yourself for what the coming of the age is, is going on and happening. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's been very obvious the last month or so, um, the signs of the end times. There's been obvious signs. Number one, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Now, I am grateful for that. I'm a diehard Cubs fan. Um, it was great. But I mean, if you didn't get your life right with God in the 10th inning of the seventh game by then, I mean, you, I'm telling you, you knew, you thought Jesus was going to come back. I mean, that's, that's how, how close it was. What about Donald Trump becoming president? I mean, if that isn't a sure sign, I don't know what is. Now, we can either choose to get real bitter and spend our whole lives mad at God for the way this world is and how our life is going, or we can lean into him for strength and know that even in the middle of horrible circumstances, that God is working behind the scenes for our ultimate good. Do you, be, do, do you believe that this morning? And when life gets tough and unfair, and as it does in this world, even when suffering comes our way because of the consequences of our bad decisions, if we let God, say let God, he will take all the pain and all the suffering and will still accomplish incredible things in us and through us. Ephesians 3.17 says, Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You see, no matter how hard life gets, how hard it rains, how hard it snows, how hard the wind blows, you stay strong and not shaken when you are in Christ. Now Romans 8.18 says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Now if we did this series, The End Is Near, without including heaven, we would miss a huge piece of God's plan because the good news is, in this world that is full of injustice, disappointment, unfairness, tragedy, and pain, it really is our temporary home. Without the promise of an eternal God, it would make this life as we know it unbearable. We started this series about eternity and I want to conclude this series about eternity, more specifically, heaven. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we used to sing a song called Heaven is a Wonderful Place. Have you ever sang that song, right? Filled with glory and grace, I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. I'm not going to sing it for the sake of time. I'm not trying out for the voice either, so it's okay. You know, but you know, you sing it and then you speed it up and you sing it like a thousand times. It's great. Um, but what heaven is like to some people is different. I mean, if you took a survey and you asked several people, you know, what they thought heaven was, I think we would get different answers, like drinking a venti iced coffee. That's heaven to some people, right? I don't know why you laugh. Uh, what about sitting on the beach in Hawaii? I mean, that's, that's heaven right there. Uh, I, for me, no more construction on the roads. I mean, that would be heaven for me. Getting uninterrupted night sleep. Now, that's heaven to my wife, but that's for sure. I heard a, guy, a story about a guy who was praying one day and, says, and, and said, God, is it true that to you a thousand years is like a second? And God answered him and says, yes, that's true. 
He says, God, is it true that to you a million dollars is like a penny? God says, yes, that's true as well. Well, God, I was wondering if I could get one of your pennies. And God answered him and says, sure, just a second. <laughs> Much better response this morning than last night. They're, they're still trying to get it this morning. Did you know that the average life expectancy in the United States is 78.06 years? Now, let's suppose for a second that a thousand years is like a day, as it says in Scripture. And if we do the math, then our total life converts to about an hour and 52 minutes here on earth. About the length of a movie, about the length of a long-winded preacher, I won't name any names, about the length of nine holes of golf, or about the length of my daily commute to work every day. Now take all of the tough times and compare them with all the good times in your life, and in that one hour and 52 minute long life, you can see the reality of when Paul the Apostle writes this in 2 Corinthians 4. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not only what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now when you read the Bible, especially about suffering, it usually sheds some light of heaven, seen through the lens of an eternal perspective. Today I want to talk to you about heaven, but not just about believing there's a heaven, but to show you what it means to have an eternal perspective in your life today. See, I believe that one of the schemes of the devil is to keep our eyes focused on the right, he right here, right now. The last thing he wants us to do is to ever think about heaven or eternity or forever. Because if he could convince us that this life is it, then it can get us to substitute a self-centered and self-gratifying kind of life for real life. Then we will end up chasing all kinds of temporary fixes that will only lead us further away from the deep soul satisfaction that Jesus came to give us. Now, if the devil can keep us from having an eternal perspective, he can use this life to suck the joy and hope right out of us. This is why I believe Paul writes these words from a prison cell in Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's been my experience that when we don't set our minds on the things above, heaven, when we fail to grasp God's promises about the world to come, it just sets us up for stress, for anxiety, for worry, for discouragement, and even sin. We begin to take shortcuts because, after all, this life is it, right? Wrong. Have you ever noticed the advertising geniuses of this world that do their best to keep our focus on the right here and right now? 
You gotta go after this. You deserve that. Life would not be complete unless you get to experience this. And on and on it goes. Here's what surprises me. You expect that from marketing gurus because that's their job. But there's teaching going on in the church, the American church, that just adds to that mindset as well. Some refer it as the health-wealth gospel or prosperity theology, which claims God's love causes him to withhold suffering from his children. You see this a lot on religious TV from televangelists that promise perfect health and financial prosperity to anyone who asks for it in true faith or claims it in their own authority. In fact, they say that the only thing that is blocking you from being wealthy and living the good life, the only reason that you are sick and disabled is either the lack of personal faith or unconfessed sin in your life. Here's the thing. I've got all kinds of problem with that teaching. See, if, if God always healed us immediately, maybe Paul the Apostle didn't get the memo when he said, my grace is sufficient for you. See, if you know the context of when he said that, Paul was asking God to take the thorn from his flesh. How many of you have thorns in your flesh this morning? How many of you are sitting next to that thorn? I don't know, I don't See, if God always blessed obedience with worldly riches, then why did John the Baptist lose his head in a prison cell? Why is history full of martyrs who gave up their lives because of their unshakable faith in Jesus Christ? Like the disciples who were executed for their faith with the exception of John, who was exiled on an island to die alone. What about Stephen? What about those in Hebrews 11 who suffered because of their faith? Read it sometime. Did they have enough faith? Did they not claim their rightful inheritance to prosperity and health? No. It says that they saw themselves as foreigners, as strangers, as aliens on this earth. They lived with an eternal perspective. Are you with me? At my ordination service, the great Dr. Jeff Hubing said this, and I'll never forget it. He says, Daniel's faith not only got him out of the lion's den, it also was responsible for being, his being thrown into it in the first place. That's good. That's what faith is. It's, it's that faith that God will get you out, but that faith is also responsible of getting you in some lion's den sometime. But God is faithful, right? Hebrews eleven sixteen 16 says, But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I hear people who have bought into the whole health-wealth teaching, and then they experience sickness and suffering, and then they talk about how God let them down. But the reality is, God never broke those promises because God never made those promises. You see, if you are in Christ, God promises us that he will be with us through the pain. And he will deliver us 
from eternal suffering. That's his promise. Listen, we should seek mental and physical and emotional healing. I believe that. But I also think we miss out on a great deal if we fail to see that God can and will still accomplish his purposes when or if we still lose our health. A friend of, of my family is Pastor Ken Dignan, who, was, uh, who passed away a few years back at a very old age. He was diagnosed with polio when he was 14 months old. He was paralyzed his whole life. Um, but he was married for over 40 years. He raised four sons, and he was a great minister of the gospel. And I'll never forget a conversation I had many years ago with him. And this is what he said to me. He told me that, if he, that he could have drowned in gallons, in the gallons of anointing oil that was poured on him for his healing. Okay? Hear me out. He says, listen, I believe that God can heal me. I have prayed every day of my life that God would heal me. And I'm going to still pray for God to heal me. But I also believe that God is still going to use me in my disability regardless. Man, that shook me. You see, it's appropriate to pray for healing and for God to use your disability or sickness for God's glory as long as you have it. See, both are equally appropriate. Because if you're praying only for healing, what are you praying? What, what you are praying may be missing out on something. You know what a great example is? Our very own Jared Johnson. I'll never forget. The first Sunday, he came up here and spoke after he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. He said this very thing. He says, listen, I believe and I'm going to pray that God's going to heal me. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe him and I believe that God's going to heal him. But he also says, even through the process, I know God's going to use me. That's good. Because suffering sometimes can't produce in us things that healing never could. Now, don't get me wrong, please. Health is a good thing. But sickness could be far greater if it leads us closer to God. Prosperity can be a good thing as well, but poverty can be much richer if it leads us closer to God. Now, hear me out this morning. Any gospel that is more true for healthy and rich people than it is for sick and poor people is not the true gospel. I'm going to repeat that because that's good. Any gospel that is more true for healthy and rich people than it is for sick and poor people is not the true gospel. See, the word that Paul uses in Colossians 3 when he says, set your minds and set your hearts, literally means to search, pursue, be focused. And it's written in the present tense, which means to keep seeking things above. Keep thinking about heaven. Keep thinking about eternity. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Pursue, search. Don't just have a conversation about it. Don't just read books about it. Don't just listen to a spiky-haired pastor preach about it. Live it out in your life. And when the tough time comes, and they will, you will truly know this is 
your temporary home. C.S. Lewis said this, this, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. So live with an eternal perspective. Don't live like this is it. And don't buy into the teaching that keeps our, all of our focus and our hopes on right here and right now. Paul the Apostle also wrote this in Philippians 1. It says, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I could do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. See that perspective? While I'm here, I'm going to make a passionate difference with my life. And when I die, I'm going home. It's a win-win. That's a win-win. I don't think Paul was suggesting here that dying, or neither should we. We should never think that we have the right to take life and death in our own hands. But those who know Jesus should realize that death really is the gateway to never-ending joy through the cross and resurrection. Why? Because death was conquered. Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. He came to give us, as 1 Peter 1 says, a living hope. That hope doesn't exempt us from hard times and pain, but it does carry us through it, and it helps us see the shore even in the fog. Come on. You can do this. Keep going. You're getting closer. If you have ever attended a funeral of someone who deeply knew Christ, I've attended a couple in the last year and a half, at Alexi, Jerry Merrill, you know what celebration it was. Oh, there was grief, yes, and there were many tears, and there was much loss. But there was also this feeling of hope and peace, and that's what made it a celebration of life. There was this funeral I heard a story about at this dominantly black church, and this old black pastor stood by the casket of this guy named Clarence who died. It was an open casket in front of the church, and instead of addressing the congregation, the pastor turned and he spoke to Clarence in the casket. He talked to Clarence about his life, celebrating who he was in Christ. And then this pastor said to Clarence, and I have one more thing I need to say to you. And he put his hand on the lid of the casket, and he slammed it shut, and he says, good night. And then he turned to the congregation and said, and only a black preacher can say it, but the Lord going to give him a good morning. You see, 2 Corinthians 5 says, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be home with the Lord. See, I think sometimes we treat life like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You know, I saw a church sign that says, honk if you love Jesus, and text and drive if you want to meet him. <laughs> now, we may laugh at first, yes, it's funny, but seeing Jesus is a serious thing. 
We should always think that everybody wants to go to heaven and everybody wants to go now. There's a song entitled, I Will Rise, very com- very familiar song in the Christian uh, radio world. And the, the lyrics say this. There's a day that's drawing near when this darkness breaks to life and the shadows disappear and my faith shall be my eyes. I will rise when he calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings before my God fall on my knees. I will rise. And it says, and I hear the voice of many angels sing, worthy is the Lamb. Man, a song about heaven. Luke 6.20 says, blessed are those who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. Now, if you know me, if you talk to me in the lobby before service, you know that I hate winter. But if there was no winter... I wouldn't love summer nearly as much. See, we would never appreciate a sunny day if it didn't rain. Don't you feel sorry for people who live in San Diego? They should move to Chicago so they could experience what true weather patterns and how God specifically made this world to be like. I'm just saying. Little side note. Without an eternal perspective... We assume that people who die young, people who are handicapped, people who have poor health, homeless people, people who are single, childless, will miss out on the best of life has to offer. But that's a super flawed theology because it assumes that this life is all there is. Every agony, every pain, every heartbreak, every setback, every injustice, every loss and disappointment will be made right And not only that, it will be turned into unspeakable joy. Life on this earth is not all there is. Romans 8, 18, I read the the, the verse 18, but I'm going to continue in that. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. You see, we are responsible for how our world is. It's the free will package. But through Christ, the curse has been reversed. I think there's, uh, there is misperceptions about heaven. I mean, I've heard different things from different people. I've heard that when we go to heaven, we'll float around on the clouds, that we'll get a set of angels' wings, that we'll get fitted for a small, medium, large, or extra-large halo, depending on your head size, that we receive a, a harp, and that's what we will pretty much do in heaven, right? No. You see, the devil loves when we misperceive who he is. See, we misperceive that he's this guy running around with a red suit on horns and a pitchfork. But he is just as thrilled when we misperceive heaven as well. 
he makes us almost think that hell would be a more fun place. But my understanding of Scripture is that heaven will be enjoying God forever in our new and improved, totally recognizable, but perfect bodies. What life on earth times a thousand offers us? I'm talking about an existing, spectacular place that was created for God's glory and for our enjoyment without baggage, without frustration, without hurt, without disappointment, without evil. A place that was created for us to be free, to be um, free to be who we were meant to be and with God at the center of it all. Heaven will be like earth at its best. Beautiful landscapes and people feasting at banquets. The new heaven and the new earth means the best part of this world carried over to the next with no bad or no flaws. Think about that for a moment. If this present life can be so wonderful at times, even in this broken world, and our bodies are weak and frail, imagine what it would be like when all of creation is made perfect and we can enjoy it forever in flawless bodies. Anybody want one of those? I do. We won't be lying around on a hammock in the shade for eternity. If you think that, go for it. But me... Based off of what I read in Scripture and what I've experienced God in my life, I think I'm going to be too distracted by God. It's going to be a light that I've never seen physically before. You see, I, I believe that it will be my eternal honor and joy to worship my Lord and Savior, and I will get to do that forever. You know, Pastor Darrell earlier this week posted on Facebook, and he says, when you think of heaven, what song do you think of? And man, the, the, the answers were phenomenal. And I've quoted a couple of the songs already, but the number one, far most popular song that was answered was a song called I Could Only Imagine. And I could agree with that as well. And this is what the lyrics are. I can only imagine what that day will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah, or will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. We can only imagine at the time, but that day will be coming. But to catch a glimpse of heaven, we just need to take a closer look at this beautiful earth. A new world with a hint, with, with, without a hint of evil. This heaven, this new heaven, a new earth, when every tongue, every tribe, and every nation will be one family with no fears, no borders, no walls, no prejudice, no barriers, no Democrats, no Republicans. I'm sorry, sorry, is that in my notes? Just like Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, every day God gives us a glimpse of heaven, a glimpse of eternity, every day. Do you know why flowers are beautiful? Because God is beautiful. Do you know why sunsets are stunning? Because God is stunning. Do you know why mountains are majestic? Because God is majestic. Do you know why hanging out with family and friends are fun? Because God is our family and our friend, and he is a lot of fun to hang out with. 
James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. You see, trying to separate God from joy is like trying to separate heat from fire or cold from ice. See, God shows us a glimpse of who he is every day. See, I love sports. And despite what I say about the weather, about Christmas decorations or Christmas songs, I really do love Christmas. I do. I just don't like the hallmark out of it all. That's, that's it. But I do love Christmas. I love movies. But those things that excite us and what we love best in this life is just the previews of what's in store for us. 2 Corinthians 5 in the Message Bible, it says, For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not, ha not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. See, there is a day coming when every day will be a good day. When evil will be history. See, the best thing about a new heaven and a new earth is that God will be there. That's what heaven's all about. There's a song, a popular song. I heard it growing up, and I know this is a popular song to you as well, when we all get to heaven, right? What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. So if you don't like singing at church and worshiping, if you come late because that's just not who you are, heaven's going to be rough for you. You might need that hammock in the shade. But as I conclude this morning, it brings me to my text. I say all that, talking about an eternal perspective, when we read in Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Do you see the shore? Little kids were asked what they think heaven would be like. And one kid said, there are streets of gold and you could play and run in the middle of them without getting run over by a car. That's good. That's true. Faith like a child, right? Another kid said, you could play with wild animals. I'm going to ride me, me an octopus. That's awesome. That's a, good, that's a good way of thinking about it. You may suffer this morning with physical pain now, but there is a day coming when your body will be pain-free. 
No need for dentures. No, no need to count calories. No need for glasses. No need for hearing aids. No need for wheelchairs. No need for no, no arthritis. No medicine. No Medicare. No Obamacare. Can I get an amen? Come on now. You may suffer with emotional pain now, but there is no tears in heaven. No bad flashbacks, no nightmares, no broken hearts. We will reunite with those who have gone before us. And I can't wait to play golf with Jesus and Moses. Just a little dream I have, that's all. When I was a teenager, this song came out by Audio Adrenaline called Big House. And it says, come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football, football, right? A big, big house, that's my father's house. It's another glimpse of heaven. See, we will be together in heaven for all of eternity to praise the one who made it all possible. But here's the thing. You got to be there. You got to be there. Pastor Darrell referenced this, this verse in Ecclesiastes 3.11 in the very first week of this series. And it says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. See, I believe and I know for a fact that people really long for more than this place here on earth. See, we long for more when we hear about a teenager who was shot and killed when he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. We long for more when someone we love dies of cancer. Let's not settle for anything less on this earth than that which is temporary. We are aliens. We are foreigners. We are strangers here because we are not made for this place. That's why we struggle here so much. This world is not our home. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, that is what the scripture means when it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Johnny Erickson Tata, I think most people would know that name. She is a quadriplegic. She has been paralyzed most of her life from the neck down since she had a diving accident when she was 16 years old. She is an amazing person, at least to me I know. She has a great ministry. One of the things she does is she paints these pictures by holding a brush in between her teeth. She longs for heaven. And Nancy Honeytree wrote this song called Johnny's Waltz. And it was written by what she saw in Johnny's example of her life. And this is what she wrote in, in the first couple of pair, uh, phrases. Though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe that he has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me, and at times it is all I can see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear, and I know that it's playing for me. It's a good perspective. You see, God is good. And the suffering we endure here for a little while will not only refine our character and make us more like Jesus, but it will get us ready to meet him face to face, and that is what heaven's all about. I've been talking about eternal perspective. If, if you've wrote, written that down, you've got my only point. But if I were to sum up what an eternal perspective is in the eyes of heaven, 
Let me give you three things just to conclude. Number one, heaven is prepared for us. Heaven is pictured for us. And heaven is permanent for us. You see, 2 Corinthians 5 says, to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. John 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I, have, I, have, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. An eternal perspective. Heaven is where we'll be. Yes, we will have new bodies. Yes, we're going to play football and golf. Praise Jesus. But, but here's the thing. We're not going to heaven to play those things, or to lay in a hammock in the shade. We're here to see our Savior face to face. We're here to worship him for all of eternity. That's what heaven's all about. The thing is, you've got to be there. Some of you today feel like you're in a fog right now, and you want to quit swimming. I want to give you a chance this morning to see the shore. God wants to tell you that he loves you and that everything will be okay. And there's only one road to heaven, and that's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here this morning, maybe you don't have a relationship and you want a relationship, I'm more than happy to pray with you this morning. We have other leaders and pastors to pray with you. Today is the day that you can meet Jesus and have a relationship with him. And if you have that relationship and that faith with him, then I'm going to see you there. I'm going to see you in heaven. Maybe you've had a relationship with God through Jesus, and you've been struggling, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe mentally, whatever the case may be. You've been discouraged. You've had pain in your life. You've been treated unfairly. There's been injustice in your life. Whatever the case may be, listen, God's got it all in control. You may not see it now, because Scripture makes it clear. This is temporary. What we see now is temporary, but what we don't see will be forever. And we need to trust. Today, maybe you need to just pray to God and say, God, help me to see the shore. God, help me, give me, show me the eyes of your heart, Lord. I can only imagine when that day will come. God, raise me up. Call my name. Because heaven is a wonderful place. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the examples that you show us every day. God, I pray that even after this message, after we walk out of this church, as we go back to the reality of our life today and tomorrow and this week, God, I pray that you will just continue to show us glimpses of who you are. God, reveal yourself to us every day. God, I pray for those that may not know you. God, I pray that you will just continue to draw them. God, I pray that they will commit themselves to you today and live for you. God, I pray for those who may be struggling physically, 
emotionally, mentally. God, whatever the case may be, God, I pray for healing. God, you are the great physician. God, I believe that you can, in a, in a blink of an eye, in a snap of a finger, that you can take it all away, and I believe that. But even through their pain, God, I pray that you will use them, that you will show them that you're in control, and that you're going to lead people to you and draw people to you through their circumstances. God, I believe that too. God, I pray for our church as a whole, that we don't just come and go and do church every week, but God, we live it out. God, that we worship you because it's just practice for heaven. God, I pray that we go um, every day in our lives and we just worship you because, not because it's just a good thing, not because we feel obligated to, because you are worthy of our praise, that you are a good God. Regardless, we don't just say thank you, Jesus, because you give us good stuff, but we say thank you, Jesus, because you have already, you love us through the bad stuff. God, I pray that today we can walk out of here different than the way we walked in here. And God, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.